0: This is Dropped Among This Crowd, a podcast that dives into the music and community of improvisational, progressive rock band, Umphreys McGee. Each week will feature a rotating schedule of insightful, full show recaps, interviews with fellow Umphreys, members of Team UM, as well as other musicians who have been inspired by and or played with the band. This is your place for all the latest news and happenings within the world of Umphreys helping keep you informed on what's been recently released or where you can catch the next show. I'm your host, Sarah Jahimiak. Thanks for joining me as we dive in. Are you prepared for what comes next? Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me for this week of Dropped Among This Crowd. I hope you are able to check out last week's massive episode, which featured my complete recap of the amazing two nights at Boondock Studios on June 10th and 11th, and also featured my conversation with Boondock Studio Manager, Jim Leap. Jim and I talk about all things Boondock Sessions, and he also takes us on a little tour of the studio. So awesome of Jimmy to take the time to show us around like that. I've personally been to Boondock's twice and still was so into him showing us around I just love looking at everything in that amazing space. Definitely give that one a listen if you haven't. And also make sure that you check out the video of our conversation on YouTube so that you can see all the cool stuff that he shows us. Also, if you didn't know, Jimmy was on the very first episode of the podcast and he shares a bunch of awesome history, like how he started working at the studio and more in that one. Links for all of that can be found in the show notes. Thank you so much for your time, Jimmy. It's always really, really great to talk to you. And I'm grateful that the show gave us a reason to catch up, shoot the shit, and talk about Umphreys. Before we dive in, I want to share with you an amazing offer exclusively for my listeners from Audible.com. Audible.com allows you to choose from thousands of audiobook titles to download that you can listen to offline, anytime, anywhere. The app is free to download and can be installed on all smartphones and tablets. And something I thought was awesome, you can listen across devices without losing your spot. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers to celebrity memoirs, news, business, and personal development. Every month, members receive one credit to pick any title from a number of genres and subjects, two Audible originals from a monthly selection, and access to daily news from the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post as well as guided meditation programs. Also, if you can't decide what you want to listen to, don't worry, you can keep your monthly credits for up to a year and use them to binge on a whole series later if you'd like. I personally love reading personal development books and biographies about musicians, which I'm sure is not a surprise to hear. I've listened to some really great ones using Audible. A few that I loved were The Five Second Rule by Mel Robbins, Girl, Wash Your Face by Rachel Hollis, You Are a Badass by Jen Sinchiro, and some incredible biographies like The Dirt, The Motley Crue Story, Gold Dust Woman about Stevie Nicks, and Life by Keith Richards, which was absolutely phenomenal, and I seriously recommend that book to every music fan that I know. No matter what your favorite genre, Audible has something you'll enjoy. Head to audibletrial.com dropped among this crowd and you'll receive a 30-day free trial of Audible and a free audiobook of your choice. A perfect way to snag that book you've been meaning to check out. That's audibletrial.com D-R-O-P-P-E-D A-M-O-N-G T-H-I-S-C-R-O-W-D for your free 30-day trial of Audible. And free audiobook. This week, I am very excited to bring you guys my conversation with Umphreys McGee new lighting director, Mr. Ben Factor. It was so much fun talking to Ben. As I mentioned in the beginning of our chat, I don't know a lot about him, and I, I assume a lot of fellow Umphreaks don't either. So it was awesome getting to know him better. Ben and I talk about how he's been using this time off to get into better daily habits, how he got into lighting in the first place, his journey to getting the gig with Humphreys McGee, what it was like to light up the caverns in Tennessee back in March, tells us more about what happened during the technical difficulties that threw him for a loop in Asheville, and a whole bunch more. There's no doubt you guys are really going to like this one. He's such an awesome and chill dude, and I'm so grateful that he's a part of Team UM now. There's also a video of our chat on the show's YouTube page as well as on my IGTV, and you'll find links in the show notes for both if you'd like to check that out. Thank you so much to Ben for your time I'm looking forward to chatting again with you soon and getting back out there to see you light up some venues. Do you have a small business that makes shirts, pins, jewelry, sweet prints, or sells other interesting products that you think peeps would like to purchase? Is your band looking to get some attention from fellow music-loving um freaks? Maybe you provide an awesome service that can make folks' lives better or easier and want some like-minded clientele? Or perhaps you're looking to hire some cool people to work with. Let Dropped Among This Crowd help you get the word out. With interviews on the show and sponsorship packages that include ad time on the podcast, ticket giveaways, social media plugs, product reviews, and so much more, Dropped Among This Crowd can help you reach tons of fellow ump freaks, musicians, and other kind folks looking to purchase from you, work with you, and support their fellow ump family. Email dropped among this crowd pod at gmail.com if you're interested in chatting more. So here is my conversation with Umphreys McGee Lighting Director, Mr. Ben Factor. Enjoy. So how how are you? How are things?
1: You know, all things considered, I am okay. Yeah. Um, trying to make Structure out of no structure, um, you know. Find mediums and vices and things to do with my time that feel fulfilling. Um, yeah. How yeah. Are you?
0: I'm doing well. I feel kind of about the same way. Yeah. Um, you know, but I have kids, so. Nice. I have three kids, okay. so.
1: Question? Uh, question for you before we yeah. dive in here, I guess. Is this? Yeah a conversation are we hanging out or are we like interviewing like well, I'm very curious about you as a person too and I was <laughs> like should we be you know what I mean
0: yeah um that's kind of how I approach uh my interviews cool. anyways you just kind of chilling and just generally trying to get to know the other person and awesome just hanging out so
1: great to be on the same page
0: yeah which is great because I don't know a whole hell of a lot about you anyways Cool. So <laughs> that works out perfectly. Yeah. I feel. So Yeah. Awesome. So where are you? Where where do you live?
1: Um right now I'm in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, which is okay. not where I live. Um I usually live in Brooklyn. I grew up about 40 minutes north of New York City in Westchester County. Okay. Um but my grandma lives up here and she has a Uh, you know, a house in the mountains. And for this time of year, it's just like so beautiful. So me and my partner, Rebecca, we are up here. Um, And yeah, that's where we've been for like nine weeks now.
0: Nice. That would be a great place to be is in the mountains. We
1: feeling grateful for that.
0: For sure. My husband and I talk about, uh, you know, when the kids get a little older and we kind of do our thing, we definitely want a house in the mountains for sure.
1: Yeah, where are you, where are you right now?
0: Buffalo, New York. Well, oh. like twenty minutes outside Buffalo, New York, and in the suburbs of Buffalo. Sweet.
1: But yeah, 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 so, yeah. home of yeah. The aqueous people.
0: Definitely, definitely. We we've run in the same kind of Buffalo music scene circles. So it's, absolutely, it's been very cool to watch them. Uh, essentially, I saw them play in a friend's backyard. Amazing. Uh, really not that long ago (laughs) when I think about it Mm -hmm. and just to see the success that they've had is been very cool, you know? And, and of course from here, uh, one of the guys, maybe actually two of the guys live, I live in North Tonawanda and two of the guys I think actually like live in this same like little town. So it's, it's cool to, to have people uh, in, in your like same community, especially because I live in a very, uh, Republican, Mm. uh, demographic area. (laughs) Just kind of say that, uh, as, as lightly as I can, I don't try to get super political on my show or anything, but I'm sure you understand. So it's nice to have those kind of people to, to come from here too. So
1: sure. Happy, happy to dive into whatever. Yes, I, I understand wanting to keep your content freeze focused.
0: Yeah, but I have shared. A, we we hung a giant rainbow peace sign flag in in our front window in response to my across the street neighbors' Trump twenty twenty flag. So. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of how I make my political statement. now. Yeah,
1: that's that's <laughs> that's great that you're showing up in that way. It's I, I you know yeah, it's interesting to I, I bet it's interesting to live in a community that has different perspectives like across the street like that. Um, my partner's brother and his wife just came to visit us actually. They're in Boston and they just moved into a new spot and they have a similar situation going on where like one neighbor is hanging a Trump flag and then their the neighbor next to that has a black lives matter flag. And you know, it's just interesting to think about.
0: It is very interesting that you have all these people that are living so closely together and yeah. the, how so different their political views are, but I use it as a teaching moment mm. uh, with my kids. Um, <clears throat> I have a 16 year old. I had him when I was 19. Wow. Uh, so yeah, that was awesome. an experience. Yeah. Um, and we have completely different views on a lot of things, but okay. we are able to come together and talk and, you know, mm. have really insightful conversations. Nice. And I think it's great because it's helped him like, not be a douche. <laughs> basically. <Sure. laughs> you know, yeah. Like, yeah.
1: It's a challenging thing to hold hold the space for that conversation with someone you don't necessarily agree with.
0: hmm And that's the I think that's the the problem. Mm. That's the issue is, is there's people on both sides that that aren't listening and they're just shouting over each other. And I mm. think that is the biggest thing that we can do is to just learn how to listen to each other.
1: Yeah, compassion. I'm 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 down for compassion, General for sure. World overview, love kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's how I feel. Great. So you were talking about your your grandma. So talk about your family.
1: Oh, my family. Um, my dad's from Boston. My mom is from Long Island. Um, yeah. Uh, what else can I say about them? I have a younger brother. He's two years younger than me. Uh, he is he's currently working as a paralegal uh, managing clerk kind of assistant at a law firm right now in downtown Manhattan uh, with goals and aspirations of heading to law school. Eventually um, it's a pretty uh, suburban upbringing that I had. Uh, like I said, I grew up like 40, 40 minutes outside the city in a town called Chappaqua. Uh, yeah. I, I had a very fortunate upbringing and I you know lived a pretty suburban uh northeast life I I guess um yeah you know whatever that that means um eventually I was super into sports for most of my childhood and then had a pretty um serious set of injuries playing soccer in high school um, the way my bones are structured in my lower half of my body are not built to sustain the type of impact and wear and tear that the running and conditioning soccer requires. So, through pushing through pain and just wanting to keep playing, I eventually developed stress fractures in both of my hips.
0: Oh, geez.
1: And, you know, I, I wasn't down to accept. That it, it was real pain. I thought it was just the pain to push through. So right. I kept going, kept going, basically until the point that I couldn't walk. Oh. Um, so that's kind of like what I point to as a big pivot point um, for me towards a, a more artistic musical passion. Um, I had I'd been playing guitar since sixth or se- seventh grade, um, but when I was completely you know removed from athletics and I couldn't. In, in, involve myself there you know that's when i discovered um logic pro on my laptop and really diving into writing music and understanding music production and you know a couple of my friends who were more into music and, and playing guitar and whatnot were really making strides and they're in their musicianship which i wasn't necessarily finding myself uh called to so i like was the one who bought the mixer and a couple of mics and we record you know i was like the engineer kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So eventually, um, I guess the question was about my family, but they were super supportive <laughs> about, you know, throughout this, this journey and eventually decided to pursue music production for college. Um, and that's what brought me out to Michigan. And yeah. That's that nice. Good. Yeah,
0: Nice. So you said you started playing guitar. What Like what inspired you to to pick up guitar and and not drums or keyboard or Mm. something else?
1: Uh, In in pretty typical fashion, my dad is like, you know, into a lot of classic rock, I would say. Mm -hmm. So, you know, from around fifth or sixth grade for a couple of years, him and I, and sometimes my mom or sometimes a friend, another dad or whatever would, you know, hit these classic rock concerts. So like the Who at Madison Square Garden and ACDC and Van Halen, like those kind of bands, yeah. which, you know, s- guitar players are the ones that are featured in those bands. Like Eddie mm-hmm. Van Halen is, you know, the legend. And honestly, Angus Young is as much of a front, pers- front man in ACDC as any singer. So that was kind of what drew me to guitar playing. Um, actually, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's why I was drawn to guitar playing, I would say.
0: Yeah. Makes sense, Yeah, of course. And being a little kid and, yeah. and going to the shows and, and being exactly. like, hell yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So like my dudes growing up for like Slash and Eddie Van Halen and Angus Young. That was what I was into in like middle school, middle school and high school.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. My five-year-old is, he's my little um, freak. It's so okay. funny. He's been to 15 shows, I awesome. think. He's yeah. five and he goes everywhere with us. And nice. It's funny cuz I talk about him obviously all the time on the show and stuff and my husband who is more like the behind the scenes kind of person he will go and like take him to the bathroom or whatever and people will be like
1: "Brendan!"
0: and my husband's like "Who is this dude?" Yeah, <laughs> like calling out totally. my kid right now and my kid's totally. just like "Hey." And he I just think about like what he's like soaking in music wise, you know, because mm-hmm. he watches it and and pays attention and we just got him his first drum set for christmas and okay so
1: he's 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 into it okay yeah
0: he's into it so that's
1: that's the loud one
0: it is the loud one it's funny my husband bought a drum set for him and a pair of noise canceling headphones for me
1: so (laughs) cancel each other out nice for sure
0: he's a smart man he knows
1: nice Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> Trying to do my podcast thing and he's just raging in the other room. So awesome. Nice for sure. So you went to school in Michigan.
1: Correct. Yeah. I ended up um, studying audio engineering, almost audio engineering um, in Michigan. And I wanted to really be into the studio recording side of things, you know, like setting up microphones and mixing and being a producer in that kind of environment. Um But, you know, like big studio and big studio projects don't have as much, they're not as widespread, I guess, now in the music industry. And I quickly learned that lesson um, at school. And luckily, the program that I was a part of at Michigan, the Performing Arts Technology Program, wasn't just purely audio engineering. It was also incorporating ideas of coding and visual arts and like, how can we um, find the intersections between a lot of different mediums artistically? So that's kind of where an openness and uh, interest in the visual realm and how to like, you know, make musicality and artistry out of different types of things, AKA lights, you know, that's kind of like where it, it goes. Um, So in college, Yeah, my freshman year and sophomore year was kind of like the time where I was into Umphreys, like actually into Umphreys as a fan. Um, I was developing an interest in lights and obviously seeing Umphreys was like um, the light show is a pretty pronounced part of the Umphreys experience. Um, So I ended up uh, buying a cheap set of lights with the bands that I was working for, working with aka just like my best friends at college who were making yeah. music and we just hanging out party. with yeah we would play the house party shows and bring you know our kind of shitty light setup and set off the fire alarms with bad smoke machines <laughs> and like that you know like that was the kind of thing um and mostly just tried to continue to figure out what it what it means to be a lighting designer or what it means to do lights and yeah, it was, it was a pretty extracurricular, uh, journey with, with influences from what was going on in my class environments, I would say.
0: That's pretty cool. Yeah. So you talked about getting like into Unfreeze. So when was your first
1: show? My first show, uh, I don't know date anymore. It's, it's January, 2012. (laughs)
0: Okay, yeah, that's how I am too. I'm like, I could give you the month and the year, yeah. but it's it's hard January to give the
1: day. <laughs> it's my junior year of high school. They were playing in Manhattan at the Best Buy Theater or Nikon Theater. Okay, it, it changes names all the time. But, yeah, uh,
0: one of those good. venues.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, and I, you know, I actually was not into jam bands at that time. One of my close friends who was kind of like my guitar player, like best friend, and also the dude who I was recording his music, like that's this is this friend, Um, he was into jam bands and Umphreys McGee and Umphreys McGee had come up in conversation before Um, and I saw that one of my favorite bands was opening for Umphreys and at the time that was the London Souls. I don't know if you've heard that name or that band. I have, yeah.
0: Yeah, not super familiar, but I've heard of them.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen much from them in the last few years, which is unfortunate, but they're like Power Trio, Rock, fuzz awesome led zeppelin cream sounding thing with was like hmm. yeah, just awesome vibes anyway they I were opening for Ramfrees, it so it, it you know it made sense for that to be a concert for us to go to so we went and then i stuck we stuck around obviously for freeze after the opening slot and it was really awesome confusing and awesome but you know it was like junior year of high school still not being able to control myself as far as smoking weed so like i saw like, I saw the, the opening act, mostly sober, and then, like, we let a joint for Unfreeze, um, and then it was like, Rah, what's going on? <laughs> um So it was cool, but also, like, didn't really understand what was going on. And mm-hmm. then a year after that, saw them at the Beacon Theater and was, like, more into it. And then, then by the time I got to college in the Midwest, they were, like, playing, you know, two nights in Detroit and then two nights in... Cleveland and two nights in Wisconsin, just like all these drivable places mm-hmm. and found a community and some homies in college who were down to, you know, like be into it in that way. And I, I met some people through like the Michigan, Umphreys, University of Michigan slash Ann Arbor scene thing who were into jam bands. Um, yeah. And so that's where I kind of like got into it.
0: That's cool. So how many shows have you seen as, as a fan? I guess we could say now.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, it was those first like two or three years of being into it as a fan that I was like going for it and seeing it nights in a row um, by my junior and senior year. So that's uh, 2015 and 2016 ish. I would like only see them when they came to the, the Detroit film War. I didn't have it in me to like travel anymore. So I would say like 20, maybe 15, 15, 20 times. Nice. And then pretty fast after graduating school, I was working for Spafford. Um, so that doesn't really count as seeing them as a fan. Cause like I'd run into them at Halloween or like we opened for them for two weeks or something like that. So I, I definitely right. have shows on my belt. Right. While I was also working in the industry or like summer camp festival, whatever. Um, right. but as a fan fan, not working, let's call it 20. Nice,
0: nice. Well, I mean, that that's pretty good in, in the time that you got into them and then when you started, yeah. like, getting into actually doing stuff. So when did you do – did you do lights just at summer camp before you were working with Spafford?
1: Correct, yeah. I, I did lights for one of the production companies that supplies gear for the okay. campfire stage. Um, yeah, got in touch with those people through – um, so my coworkers at an internship I was doing in Chicago, and they were awesome and super down for me to be around and help out in, in any way. And at that point, I really didn't have much technicality around lighting. I did around audio, but not around lighting. But I expressed that I was interested in lighting. Um, yeah. That's how I learned. Yeah, summer. Yeah, so the summer camp 2016, I was working as the house of the um, on the campfire stage. It was Hell awesome. Yeah. Also just like working a major festival that was also semi-hosted by my favorite band. It was, you know, an awesome experience. Yeah. Um, had some, as far as jam band scene goes, like really serious names come onto that stage, like Dobapod and and Pigeons uh, playing ping pong and Kirk, like all those kind of like semi-big semi jam bands were playing on that stage that weekend so I got to meet their traveling LDs, which was a really big learning experience for me. Um, and specifically meeting Luke Stratton from dope Fod slash all the other wild things he does now, um, was awesome to meet him in person and Manny from pigeons. I, I ran into Manny like six, seven months ago at Huluween this past year. And in his phone, I'm still, he's a lighting designer for pigeons, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, his phone, I'm still listed as Ben Campfire Stage, which is just kind
0: of funny. That is funny. That's, yeah. you know, he, he just. Come all this me. way.
1: I'm not Campfire Stage anymore. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. It's always good to like remember that though. And that it's, oh. just, it's so cool that you were just like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm really interested and I'm willing to try. And yes, exactly. I mean, why not? I mean, that's how I have been with the show. Like, I started my show and I seriously knew nothing about podcasting. Sure. I knew <laughs> nothing about anything except mm-hmm. for Humphreys McGee. Nice. <laughs> like, that was it.
1: When, and, when did you start seeing the band?
0: Um, it was 2000, May 2007. They okay. played a free show here in Buffalo. Sweet. They used to have this thing called Thursday in the Square. Mm -hmm. and they would have like the best bands come Mm -hmm. like Mo came and Umphreys came I think they came like twice actually uh John Butler was here I mean so many people and it was free like it was just in downtown Buffalo and it was free and Mm -hmm. it was the day after my friend's 21st birthday and I mean of course We celebrated her 21st birthday. Yeah. (laughs) So the next day she didn't feel like going. And I'm like, well, I'm still going. I still want to check these guys out. And yeah, yeah. We went. I went with some other friends. We had a great time, but I didn't see them.
1: Was it like an immediate click for you? Were you like that was that was it or you took a little effort? It
0: took a little bit. It definitely did. I I went to uh, I didn't see them again for a whole year until mm-hmm. the following summer camp. So summer camp 2008, yep. I saw them. And in that year time, me and my best friend had really gotten into mo. Nice. So we saw like just so much mo, And of course, being from Buffalo, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the same sort of thing. There's so many drivable places that we could go. And so yep. we just saw a ton of mo, And so we went to mo down and then we went to summer camp in 2008. Yep. And so then when we were there, like I experienced Umphreys on a different level.
1: Absolutely. And so
0: then there for me, it just kind of like yeah. moved and, you know, it it's, there've been times in my life where it's just more intense than others, obviously being a mom. Mm. Um, but Very it's true. definitely always been something that's, you know, like a, a piece of me since then.
1: So, yeah, I mean, the, the internet makes it really easy to stay in touch. That, I mean, Mm-hmm. in the time that I was super into it as well when I couldn't necessarily be at shows there were live streams and also you know internet threads on like how to hear what's going on and reading set lists and listening to the shows you know there's, there's there are ways to stay into it not um, mm-hmm. necessarily even being there
0: which I'm so I mean grateful especially now for being an Umphreys McGee fan all the things that we get even right now, but just anyways, you know, the, the shows on nugs the next day or sometimes even that night, you know, like just to be able yeah. to listen to the music that quickly. And it's just yeah. v- very fortunate for that's that. A, that's, for sure.
1: a, that's a shout out opportunity to Chris, to Chris Mitchell, that audio engineer for, for sure.
0: he's his,
1: turn, <laughs> his turnaround time is like, <laughs> boom.
0: For sure. Sometimes you're like, damn.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a machine. the the touring side of this organization is just locked in absolutely locked in so it's been a a great experience to work alongside professionals of the caliber of of these guys
0: i bet i bet i mean and and i've said that to sam he's been on the show twice and yeah i've I've talked to him about that how they're just amazing like amazing and that's from my my point of view, you know, as the fan. So, you know, mm-hmm. for you to say that as, as the coworkers and I equate it to, to being parents, you know, the mm-hmm. people behind the scenes that are making everything still function, Yeah. you know, and, and it's just, it's amazing.
1: Yeah. It's, it takes a lot of passion. Um, cause there are numerous angles and, and aspects of the road lifestyle that are not ideal. Um, But at the end of the day, if there's an underlying commitment and passion to like what live music is bringing, you know, that's kind of where it's stemming from, I would say. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's I mean, I feel like that's probably the same for anything in in the arts, Mm. Um, especially if you're going to pursue it as as a job. You know, there's going to be parts of it that are just not very beautiful at all. (laughs) Yeah. But it's the passion that pushes you to to keep going.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's an interesting time to think about like the place of art in the world right now as like live music is completely paused. Right. There's none of that is going on right now. So it's definitely a reflecting time to think about what that really means in America. I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's been an interesting experience for me coming out of like college and trying to like really think about big world concepts and um, understand my place in the world. And art is really, I, you know, there's a lot of idealism and passion and love in art. And then like, there's also the realities and challenges of making it function in a society. Like that's just, it's complicated stuff.
0: Yeah. yeah. But it, it's been, I think, also interesting. Um, the, I mean, I obviously already knew the role that it played in my life, but mm. uh, especially at a time like this when people, what do they need? They need books or mm-hmm. music or movies or so, whatever it is. It's different mediums of art, whatever it is. Yeah, for sure. And how actually important all of that is to humans like as we're surviving basically right now and doing whatever it is that's going on right um how interesting it is that that's kind of been pointed out to some people that maybe didn't realize that before
1: yeah yeah i hope we all you know whatever re re reopening or you know reintroducing uh a safe like a safe society like what we bring to the table as far as our like priorities and care for art really looks like once coronavirus is more under control you know that's uh i'm interested to see the way that turns out
0: yeah i bet so tell me about like applying for the job so waffle like they make this announcement is Mm -hmm. that is that how you find out just like everybody else you find out at the same time that Waffle's taking a leave.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's the public announcement, which is like, you know, that makes it official. Um and on that day, friends who are in the industry or who are just friends of mine who are not necessarily obviously like reach out to let me know. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I fucking know. Like I see the free <laughs> too. Thank you. Um but I don't, mean to, I don't mean to come off as an ass, but it was just like, "Yeah, dude, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm aware." <laughs> um, uh, at the time, I was still with Spafford, but for reasons very unrelated to Jefferson's leaving of Humphreys, was just like reevaluating my place at, at Spafford and m- making a transition, moving into a new apartment in Brooklyn, and finding new places in the city to like really dig into. So like I was already making movement to um, depart from the organization of Stafford. So then once that actually became official, you know, that was just another thing on my plate to like really start to consider as, as a, as a forward movement. So the first place that I went to try and reach out um, was to Bob, Bob Stone, who is the production manager for Umphreys. Um, he, he and I met the year before in the summer of 2018 when Spafford opened for, for Umphreys for like three weeks. Um, I was only one of two crew members on that tour with Spafford. It was just me and at the time was the front house engineer. His name was Chris Erickson, who was also like long, long, long time friends with a lot of the members of the Unfreeze community because he's a Chicago guy, specifically Bob. So reaching out to Bob, I knew that I had like the connection and mutual friend of Chris and who was like a very trusted person of Bob's. And he was like, Chris was like my reference to Bob basically. Okay. Um, so I sent him like a very official cover letter, um, listing out the reasons why I would, you know, be a very legitimate and right candidate for the job. And I was like in a coffee shop with my partner, Rebecca, just like all nervous. Like, wow, what, what is there to lose by clicking send? But I was like, you know, re-editing every sentence, checking all the punctuation, all the grammar, making sure it's Mm -hmm. good. And then finally I'm like, oh shit. All right. Click it, you know, and then fast after, like within the hour, he responds that like, Hey, great to hear from you. Had a feeling that you would reach out. Actually. Um, the best thing that you can do moving forward for the application process is to um, put a few songs into a 3d rendering and show us like what you would do if you were designing for i McGee. Uh, actually over the past couple of months, I've been, Sending Dumfries guys and they've posted posted them some of those 3d digital renderings that I'm that I'm talking about hmm I was um, gonna actually
0: ask you about those. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah So basically embedded in the, the the lighting console that I use is called the grand ma2. It's like, you know industry standard um, They actually just released grand ma3 um, So this is a good learning time to start to understand the new the new technology, but it's not quite there anyway, Within MA2, there's also a visualizer built in. So it's a really powerful tool because there's no actual limit to what you can put in a computer. So if you want to, as we saw with like the Shine On, you create the diamond thing, like if you want to make a, an enormous rig with a bunch of circles and make it in giant stadium, you can do that. It's like it's a computer. Yeah. Um, so I, I did a way more scaled down, realistic version of that for my application um so i designed a rig that was like pretty different from jefferson's um and it went over really well like really really well a lot of the applications that they saw looked very similar to what um waffle is doing which is obviously not really what they're looking for in a transition time they wanted to like change and and use it as a re regrowth point Um, so um the part that stuck out to Bob and uh, eventually to some of the band members was I was utilizing groups of odd fixtures. Like, so Jefferson was all about the even symmetry, whereas I'm not necessarily that way. Um, so given that my application looked different than basically everyone else's, they're like, great. Okay. On to the next, next round essentially. Cause I mean, they they made a public announcement that it was happening and also um. yeah so given that it was public they got I can't even imagine probably thousands of yeah
0: I was gonna ask if you knew
1: I, I would have to imagine it's in the thousands at least but that's probably to Kevin that's probably to the general band I think it's like I don't know some email that's probably on the website like contact at unfreeze or whatever right um, but I went straight to Bob so that was definitely like a good in the door part that, that I had going for me So the next step after I had gotten, you know, past the digital round was to actually meet the people in, on the crew. I actually didn't meet any of the band members at this next part that I'm about to talk about, but they were coming through Huntington, New York, which is on Long Island. So that's like my area. They were on tour. And I just like came out to the show around dinner time, had dinner with Bob and Bobby and like, heard about a lot of the logistics about uh, of the job and this is how it goes here. And this is, you know, what the deal is. And I met some of the other crew members that didn't know um, and just like got a feel for what, it, you know, what it's like to be in that organization. And obviously they also started to get a feel for who I am as a person. And it was just like a cool hangout time. Like I didn't run lights or do anything technical The show was completely built. When I got there, it was just kind of like a meet and greet opportunity um actually there that's a funny part of the story um there it was the hang was going well and bob and bobby were like okay cool so we want to book an audition uh audition run with you are you available in a couple weekends for resonance fest (laughs) and i said no which was idiotic i i had other i had other plans and wasn't like fully on my game Understanding the stakes at, at, at play. So mm-hmm. I just said, I said, no, I, I'm not available those weekends. I can try and see if I'm available other weekends. And they were like, they didn't say it to my face, but behind the scenes, they were just like, dude, what? This dude just said no to an offer. What? what? <laughs> I, I very, I told, and I, like, the next day I'm like talking to my people about how it went and i'm like yeah so they offered it but like i wasn't around unfortunately and everyone's like you idiot you (laughs) have to let them know that you cancel everything you need to make that happen so I email bob like not even 24 hours after meeting them being like hey by the way um i cleared cleared my calendar and it was too late they had already booked someone else to do that audition so i was like shit that sucks um luckily i stayed persistent and pretty active with like hey following up can we make a different run of shows work what's going on and uh, i did i got the georgia theater slash Halloween run and that was my live audition where i actually got to like meet the bands and rip some shows and see how you know it would really feel
0: I just wanna make sure that light was gonna to be too dark or what it was bugging me. <laughs> <Looks great>. Sorry. <laughs> no
1: worries. Um, and that's kinda yeah, that's that was the audition. Went really well. Um and at that point it was I think it was basically just down to me and Luke, um, who did the next two weekends. So that was a painful experience because I went first and so like I was watching Luke the awesome like halloween run at the anthem with like the coolest light you know like the great lighting rig there Mm -hmm. um so that was stressful man and it was just a waiting game at that point it was you know the audition run went really well i made good friends with both band and crew and it was a good hang and then i had to leave and they had to have another guy come in on audition so it was like yeah like good hangs like good to see you but also maybe talk to you in a couple of weeks also maybe not like we'll see so that was, that was like a weird challenging dynamic there and like yeah. dur- during the next few weeks i was like do i reach out like louie louie is our lighting crew chief and we get along really well and we got along really well during those two weeks and i i just wanted to like reach out and say hi but given the fact that they were auditioning someone else i didn't even feel like i could you know yeah so step off um so eventually, two or three weeks after Luke was all done and fall tour for Umphrey's was done, um, they said they would make a decision pretty soon. And then the way it went as far as finding out, I got the job. Of course, like Kevin texted me in some weird cryptic way where he was like, "Hey, are you around to chat today?" That was all he said. <laughs> I was like, "Shit." <laughs> I was like, I'm actually not around. I'm on the way to a gig right now. And he's like, cool. It's not time pressing. We'll just talk tomorrow. And that's all he said. <sighs> and I was like, oof. So I waited about a half hour, called my dad. I was like, this is what it is. I don't think that's a good sign because if, like, if it's not time pressing and he's not, you know, like that doesn't feel great. So then on the subway to my gig, in, I was in New York at home. Um, about 45 minutes later. I was like, you know what, whatever, I'm just gonna text him back and be like, what's the deal? Like, are, like do I have it or not? So I was like, what are we talking, I think I texted him like, what are we talking about tomorrow? And he's like, then he answers. I was like sitting there, just can't even look at my phone, waiting for it to vibrate, like with an answer. And the answer was like, We're, we are asking you if you are interested in taking the job of lighting designer for us. And I was like, ah, sick. Sick. <laughs> so then I had to do this like full day, really tedious and not enjoyable corporate gig um in New York. But I was, you know, with good news made the day way easier. Um yeah, and that was that was kind of how it went. And then celebrations on just my end because it wasn't necessarily public. And then the day that they announced it on the internet was super cool. It just very oddly happens that the day they announced it, Munyan. are you familiar with Munyon?
0: Uh, a little bit. I know like some friends was, that are into them. Yeah,
1: they're, they're, they're a jam band who I worked with before Spafford, who are also very close friends of mine. They happened to be touring through New York City that day. So like ugh, I met up with them in the morning, walked around New York City with friends who I hadn't seen in way too long, had a great day unfreeze um, made an announcement and then obviously excuse me my phone starts blowing up you know with congratulations and then that night tool was playing in brooklyn and i went to see tool alone which was my plan and it, always but like just going to see that band has is just such a personal experience and yeah whoa so I, after an awesome day of walking around the city with old friends and an awesome announcement that's going on i capped the day off by going to see tool and like perfect seats right behind front of house, just totally taking in the experience and like what the fuck was going on in my life. Um, and that's how it went. Yeah. That's kind of like the whole thing.
0: That's very cool. It
1: was a cool, it was a cool experience. Crazy six, seven months. Yeah.
0: I bet that's, that's pretty, pretty incredible. That's awesome. Yeah. So your fir- so your first run with them is then New year's right yeah,
1: officially at, yeah at, okay as the, the, that's the right person okay um, New year's correct
0: okay that's what I thought. So yep. like how do you how do you feel like now you get the job so you're like it's got to feel different now you're not trying out you don't have that anxiety. So now you go into New Year's how are you how do you feeling?
1: Yeah, New Year's was way more um grounded and and calm um i actually flew out to chicago a couple weeks before new year's to go do some prep work at our shop our our gear shop ecto productions which is just outside of chicago or right by o'hare um they supply all of our gear for tour and some of the gear for new year's shows so we did like the 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 x bars that were on the ground for new year's like we did some work as to like what's the best way to hang this and Yeah, just prep prep work basically. So getting to work with Louie and work with the guys who work at Ecto um and start to feel more comfortable was a really good couple days for me just to start to get the wheels moving. Um and then New Year's. Yeah, New Year's. Of course, my plane my flight is delayed. I land in Denver too late. I show up to load out late. Or load, excuse me, load in late. Also for some reason didn't eat when I got off the plane. So I'm like desperately hungry in the altitude after have to load in for New Year's. But luckily, you know, it's, oh, New Year's was cool because we got an extra day to load in. Um, so we loaded all of the lights in before the first show, uh, the whole day before. So we had an nice. entire day just to tweak and make sure everything was good to go on the lighting front. So it was like nice. someone coming into a new gig, that was awesome.
0: Oh, I'm sure, for sure. Give yourself like a little buffer and...
1: Exactly. Normal day, we're loading in at 10 a.m. and need to be basically ready by 1 p.m. ish, which is like three hours to build the entire show. But for a bigger show like New Year's to get the full extra day, awesome.
0: For sure, for sure.
1: So yeah, New Year's was... I don't. I don't really. I don't like to use the word nervous with on free shows because it's like I don't necessarily feel nervous, but there's just a lot of energy and adrenaline. You Mm -hmm. know,
0: a lot of of excitement. Yeah, it's exciting for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, The the size of rig that the the budget we get for New Year's was definitely the biggest budget I had had to to date as far as making a design from scratch. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was a, it was an interesting challenge with the Fillmore in Denver because the ceiling is really low. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So a lot of ideas for lighting rigs of that size would usually translate to a room that's bigger. Like I'm saying the amount of budget we have allotted and like the size of show we're going for at New Year's usually fits into a space that's bigger than the Fillmore. So there's right. like an interesting challenge and um, – decision making point as far as how do i balance where to put lights and what lights to put where when the ceiling height is so low um and in hindsight it was a learning experience i think there are a few things that i would like to try differently when or if we do go back to the film because given um the low trim low ceiling height in denver um and yeah and as we continued to do the were you at the new year shows
0: not this year okay no I wasn't
1: um so we did four we did four shows and there were actually three small subtle iterations of the rig like night one all of the bars were in x's and then the next night they were more like diamonds and then we moved the diamonds out further and further again for the fourth night so that was just like again, points to the fact that it was a learning experience and it's all about iterations and it's a process to find what actually feels appropriate and like, you know, like what I want to... I don't think there is a final form of like what the lighting rig or lighting design for Humphreys will be moving forward. Um, It's just a continuous process.
0: Well, it's it's just the same with their music. You know, I mean, I feel like you could only have a lighting be consistent like that. If you're lighting a show that is consistent, like, so true. you know, like a band that just plays the same set list every night, every no. night is so different. So you cannot expect it to be the same way with that at all. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Taking that fact into account, you know, definitely plays into, into the design process. Cause like, okay. So Unfreeze has a set of, has a wildly enormous range of songs that they're going to play. And also within those songs, there's enormous sections of improvisation. So mm-hmm. the challenge with designing for them is how do I make a lighting rig, like, morph and move and feel fresh throughout all these different fresh musical sections? Um, yeah. So.
0: It's got to keep you on your toes, though, too. Totally.
1: totally. I, you know, I, I'd be curious. Yeah. I'd be curious what a smaller um, Umphreys tour would look like if they scale, not necessarily played the same set every night, but like scale really focused and scaled their set down. Cause I mean, at least for me, that would make a different design process. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. we're going to do this sort of certain vibe most nights or something like that. That would, that would lend opportunity to make some decisions that were really catered towards like, okay, there's going to be a really heavily Jake Sininger like solo section highlighted spot a lot of the time. Maybe then I would take into account like, okay, is there a way that we can make the lighting rig like focus on Jake in a certain way? But given that the band members are you know very heavily featured throughout the night, um, and it's a lot of group improvisation, how do we make the lighting rig uh, represent that? That's kind of the challenge.
0: Right. So yeah. how do you then get, so right before winter tour starts, I guess winter tour is kind of where you guys left it off. It wasn't quite spring yet. Sure. How do you get ready for tour? So you have new years and mm-hmm. I'm sure you maybe have like a little bit of time off and then
1: In two weeks. Yeah.
0: Okay. And then you start winter tour. So what does winter tour look like getting ready professionally mm-hmm. and personally?
1: Totally nice. Um, technically, Winter Tour, as far as gear and design work goes, and programming work, was mostly ready actually before New Year's. When I went New out year? to yeah. Chicago in middle of December, that that was where a lot of the decisions were made. Um, and actually, the the New Year's rig was basically just an expanded version of what the winter tour rig would be. Okay. Um, So from a technical standpoint, it was pretty ready to go. Um, In those two weeks in between New Year's and winter tour, you know, a lot of my programming can be done remotely wherever I am on my computer. So, you know, I continued to workshop and improve the technical stuff that like, you don't necessarily, like you will see it as an audience member, but you won't necessarily like realize what the changes are from show to show of like what's going on in the programming. Um, so that's mostly what I was working on in between those in, in between that time. And then personally and emotionally. Um, yeah. What does the prep look like on that front? You know, it's definitely spending time at home and, and figuring out and planning what does life look like for the next four, four or five weeks? Given that there are this block of tour dates here and also off time here, and just trying to make it, make uh, make life make sense moving moving forward. I, I guess um, I'm not necess- I was not necessarily a stranger to tour life heading into this because of my time with Mungin and Spafford. Um, so from that angle, that was good to have at least somewhat of a reference point to what it feels like to be touring. Um, And with Unfreeze, all things considered, especially within the jam band scene, the touring scale is actually, it's pretty manageable. I mean, it's it's definitely a lot of weekends, but it's weekends, um, as opposed to being on a tour bus for literally three months at a time. That doesn't really happen right now with the way they structure their tours. Mm -hmm. So from that angle you know, pretty grateful for what the job presents.
0: Right. Having that schedule because of them having families and stuff, they've really structured this amazing tour schedule where they're able to still kind of have their family life and tour life. And so it's definitely a good time in their, in their lives for you to come on board where before they were playing 250 shows a year, some crazy shit.
1: So I completely acknowledge the fact that the challenging grueling grind as far as touring goes for unfreeze i was not you know in the van for that like the van days that was obviously like you know before my time um so definitely grateful for the fact that i'm joining during a from certain angles easier time on the body and mind and soul and stuff like that
0: absolutely so talk about Lighting the caverns, like that Ooh. was that was one of my highlights. I was there. I did the caverns, and then both nights in Asheville. Mm. That was actually my last last freeze run. Yeah, um which <laughs> it, it was amazing. Like we took my five year old with us and mm-hmm. we we're in this cave, and yep. which, I'm still, it was just such like an, an interesting experience. It like,
1: really was.
0: <laughs> you're you're kind of like looking around like, okay, we're in an actual cave right now. Like uh-huh. it, it was kind of like a mind fuck. But the moment that you just lit up the room yeah. in the triple wide and, you know, uh-huh. they just kind of like the whole beginning of the song, obviously anybody listening knows what I'm talking about. And then just when it just goes right into it and you lit up the whole cave. Sure the look on my kid's face was just like, Holy shit. And I'm looking at him like, this is amazing because he's experiencing this, but I'm experiencing this with him. And
1: wow. Yeah.
0: That was amazing. And when I listened back to that show, you can hear the audience, like the audience collectively had this same feeling that he did in that moment. Yeah.
1: Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, (laughs)
0: I mean, what was that like for you?
1: (laughs) Yeah, the caverns was a long, challenging, and also incredibly rewarding day um, for me. I mean,
0: there's only one in and out. so
1: Only one place to go in and out, and you can't actually fit the semi truck down there. So it was this very long and tedious process of pulling a few pieces of gear off the truck and onto these, like, Two small tractor trailer is that the right term? I don't know, just like small trailers and driving it down the driveway and into the cave. And like we have an entire semi truck of gear, so that is a long process. On the most ideal of days, our truck like oh. pulls up right into the dock and we can push everything straight onto stage, or if not a short push from truck to stage. Anyway, that is not what was going on at the caverns. Um, so that's one challenge, but the biggest challenge, which ended up being like the whole thing of the day is the space is so unideal, I guess, from just a standard production uh, angle. So like the stage is slanted in multiple ways. There is no flat anywhere on the stage. It's this kind of like bumpy rock thing. There's a freaking moat around the back of the stage. Um, yeah. Really? There's, there's running water behind the band the whole entire time. That's So, so crazy. basically we had to, from a lighting standpoint, it was like, Oh, and there's no place to hang lights in the air. And there's no place to hang lights over the crowd to like for front light lights at the band. So there's this entire challenge of like, we have designed this rig for a certain set of circumstances. And now all of that's out the window. So what are you going to do? So basically the way that kind of day goes is I, I walk in and survey what's going on, like, what are we going to do? And we ended up repurposing most of our gear to do things that it hadn't been doing for most of the tour. So those bars, those like led long bars that we had been using at New Year's and for tour actually ended up putting them on the ground and only facing them back at the rocks at the cave. So they are purely functioning as just throwing color on the space, which was really effective because the whole experience was about being in the cave. So to then throw like awesome psychedelic crazy colors at the already crazy psychedelic space was just, it was awesome. It Um, was awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So the, so the day was kind of just like placing lights in this dirty gritty space and making sure it wasn't in water or going to fall over or like all this stuff. And you know, the idea of symmetry, just like throw it out the window, like get over it because it's not going to be perfect. So like make the design and make the placement of the lights more catered towards the experience as opposed to like a camera shot that's from perfect center and get the perfect angle. That's like not the goal when you're walking into the cave. And it worked out really well. Like we put just like this entire stack of lights on the side just to light the band that was super out of the way. So you could still experience the band and the cave, but also see the band. It was, it worked out great. Um, and yeah, they opened with triple wide, which is like, you know, has the samples, you you know, I, I'm not going full force during that intro drum sample, but then there's the drop where the whole band actually comes in and then yeah, it's, It's ripping time. (laughs) Okay, get all the the beams and the circles and the colors going, and uh, yeah, that was an that was an awesome show. I loved remind me in the cave because it's just like strobe mania, and I've Mm -hmm. I've seen some videos from remind me in the cave, and it's just like we use really bright lights, powerful Mm -hmm. fixtures, and the space. It was just like a perfect, perfectly balanced. Um room to space room room slash space to lighting power balance. Cause like it just perfectly lit up the entire space from front to back. Like no matter what was going on, you could feel the awesomeness of the cave at all times. So when you're doing like a crazy stroby dark section of remind me, it felt like we were in like that scene in star Wars where, uh, they're driving the Millennium Falcon and they like swerve into the asteroid belt and park to escape from their the people that are chasing them and it turns out it's like actually the mouth of a worm that's what yep. it like that.
0: that's a great analogy I'm such a Star Wars
1: nerd so I'm all like
0: yeah. oh I can't wait to see where he's going with this <laughs> yeah,
1: no, it's, it's it was that scene like I was waiting for like the entire cave to start shaking because we were actually inside of a worm
0: yeah, that's so great. It, we found like the best spot because we were up. My son loves to be up front. So we'll like we oh. had he's got like great yeah. headphones and Get we'll take you. him up front for a little bit yeah and then we wound up coming like out and we found a spot of the cave that was like this flat seated spot and it was like directly across from where you were Mm -hmm. and the people at the venue were like just don't stand on there and you can sit and we sat there the whole show and it was great because we had this amazing view of just yeah everything
1: it was yeah Just the way you painted that cave was just, it was beautiful. I am glad to hear it. Yeah, I had a, it was, it was a challenging day and a long day and given the fact that it was going to be really not ideal and everything was going to be out of place, you know, that was, it was, it was tough, but once the show started and it looked, you know, it started, we started to understand the gravity and awesomeness of what the opportunity was Mm -hmm. it was was smooth sailing from there it was a great time I think everybody really enjoyed it
0: yeah it it was awesome and then a huge contrast to what you're doing the next night in Asheville Asheville, (laughs) I mean now you're in this arena and Mm -hmm. I personally I said that too because we did the next two nights and we walk into the arena in Asheville and I'm like I said to my husband I'm like this is weird Like seeing them first of all in an arena. I'd never seen them in a space that big anyways. Oh, sweet. But then of course going from the caverns to this arena, it was so weird. So now you have more room. So talk about like how like different that was for you.
1: Yeah. So a day like Asheville is where we get to build the lighting rig the exact way that it was drawn up and planned to be because when you walk into the Asheville arena, it's a blank grid. Um, there's no lighting rig in house. There's no infrastructure there. It's just, we are bringing all of our gear to put in the exact places that we wanted to originally put them. So from that angle, it makes the load in and build pretty smooth. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, they sold a lot of tickets. So I, I know that the first few times they played in Asheville, they had the stage like right in the middle, and they would cut off half of the arena.: Okay, uh, seating wise. Okay. But since they sold so well this year, I know that they moved the stage back. Um, so it made okay. the space even bigger and even more awesome. So it was just like a lot of – yeah, there was a lot of room to do really pretty things in the air and point awesome shapes at the back wall because there's just so much space between uh, lighting rig and back wall. Um, so, yeah, from that angle, it was, it was awesome. Asheville actually ended up having a couple – Not no, not a couple, just – yeah, two – two pretty hilarious uh technical difficulties i don't know if you ended up noticing that it's oh,
0: i was yeah we noticed one my <laughs>
1: hope you, you have to know <laughs> i've talked to some people who claim they didn't notice and i was like dude were you even watching because like it was a pretty bad technical difficulty.
0: i i noticed it but then my husband like tapped me on the shoulder and noticed you not yeah. panicking but like obviously like trying right. to fix and things and he's like, so basically
1: oh. yeah for those listening or watching or whatever who didn't see what happened um right at the end of eat which is like this dark evil demonic metal song um the data line between my console and the lighting rig went out oh no and when that happens unfortunately you know i we, i'm sure there's a certain way that we can program it to just like go to a neutral scene if that happens But right now what happens when our data goes out is it just stays where it last was. And of course, the moment that the data went out was like literally full on strobe, every light full strobe. So the song eat ends and the entire rig is still strobing with silence. And it was like out of a nightmare, man. Cause like you can slowly start to hear the audience like, in guitar hero when you start to fail and you can hear like the oh no boo that was like real life happening people were like oh shit like the lights are literally strobing in my face and there's no music going on what the fuck is going on um obviously when that happens i'm like on the radio trying to figure out what's going on things were smooth sailing at that point so louie our crew chief actually had gone to get dinner because he was like okay everything's cool but then all of a sudden, the radio is going off like, ah, it's freaking out, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that sucked. And I know, I mean, the guys are professionals and they've been there a million times with technical difficulties. So Brendan, like, literally continues the show and the banter as if nothing is happening, as if the lights aren't strobing, which is, like, good on him. Um, The bands have talkback mics to, to talk to each other, and I can hear them. That's for, like, cues and, and, improv improv stuff you know they talk to each other as to make decisions that only they can hear anyway in while that was all happening joel goes into the talk back mic and is like nice lights bro (laughs) like while they're still strobing (laughs) it's like i know i know i'm trying (laughs) yeah so we eventually figured it out that obviously rattles me for the rest of the set because it's like now i'm like haphazardly trying to do things because i'm nervous the whole thing is just going to go out again (laughs) We eventually figure out the problem, or so we thought. And then second set starts, and they're opening with Dark Brush. or Yeah, was it, yeah Dark Brush, which, again, is like a heavy, awesome tune. And right as the set starts, the whole thing goes out again. Fortunately, it was on a more neutral scene. Not even neutral. Everything was off. Again, I don't know if you really – did you realize that was happening at the show? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Great. That means you were actually paying attention. But like, you know, they're playing awesome Dark Brush. And I had no control of the rig for like the first two minutes of the song. So there were literally just no lights for the first two minutes. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And that was like, I think the highest ticket count they've ever done anywhere, period. And obviously... (laughs) shit goes out. That's how it goes. That's,
0: that's how it goes. That is exactly how it goes. That's like,
1: like the live music thing. You know,
0: it's, it, it's life though. Like it's the same thing. I feel like every time I'm ready to like jump on a call with somebody or do something for the show, like all of a sudden something happens like right totally. before with my kids or I'm like, totally. it couldn't happen yesterday when there was nothing yeah. going on or.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like why couldn't this have happened at any other show or at, yeah. or at any other moment, but full strobe. Why? Right. Why? But it it was cool. And I like I said, everyone has been there a million times. They are such yeah. a professional touring organization. They've done way worse technical difficulties than that throughout the years. So like it wasn't even a point of conversation necessarily with anyone. It was like, Okay, cool, move on. You're all good? Cool. Great.
0: Yeah. Have a
1: good have a good second set. You know?
0: <laughs> well, it's good for you. I mean, you you're gonna have to do those kind of things, and the only way you're gonna learn is in the moment like yes. doing it and then having sure. to to figure it out and you mm-hmm. didn't panic that's that's what my dad always used to tell me you didn't you didn't really panic so you're good <laughs> yeah
1: yeah I, I was i was panicking a little bit inside i don't know what i looked like i'm sure i looked moderately panicked we'll see um but i was like kind of just crouching down tr- trying to unplug and replug some things and eventually a workaround was fixed so yeah. what what are you gonna do
0: what are you gonna do just keep on do? going yeah that's
1: kind of that's kind of the story of, of Asheville and, and caverns that was that weekend yeah
0: yeah so like you guys are gonna get ready to go to california and play your shows in march mm-hmm. and so like what what happens like you're are you already there too? I know like pretty much everybody was there. Like yeah, didn't they call it, it the day of too? Yeah,
1: we had shows for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday that week. That was, that was San Diego, LA, San Fran, and then Sunday at Terrapin. Mm-hmm. So it was like a pretty big run. Um, coronavirus was definitely a thing in the United States at that point, like very much being talked about in the media and understood as a real threat. But no one really knew how it would impact right away or if it would at all two-hour shows. So we, all, everyone in the crew flew into L.A. on Wednesday night, and we woke up on Thursday to the news that the entire thing was canceled. So, like, that was a long 24 hours. I flew into L.A., had dinner, fell asleep, and then flew back the next day. And from, for New York, you know, cross-country flight, that's uh, not fun. Well, it is what it is, but... Wow. That was kind of how it went. It was stressful, but also, you know, given that, I mean, I definitely had had started to understand that coronavirus was serious and things were going to be dangerous or possibly canceled. It was almost a bit of a relief just to have like a decision because it was so like, is it going to be canceled? Is it not? Is this going to happen? Is it not? Just to like see and see a decision made and at least know what was going on in the short-term was relieving. Um, But now we've reached the, you know, the nebulous, ambiguous, we don't really know what we're looking at moving forward. Um, Yeah.
0: That's how I felt about Iceland because my husband and I were going to go to Iceland and I just started to feel a lot of anxiety about all of it and then of course I mean because then we're watching not only what's going on here but then what's happening in Iceland for sure and I started to get concerned again being a mom of three like are we going to get quarantined in another country for six months or that
1: that, yeah that would suck
0: (laughs) it was like this whole thing and when they finally canceled or, you know, postponed it, I was, mm-hmm. I, th- it was the same feeling. You're just like, yeah, just make the decision. Thank God. I don't have to make this decision and then just feel like I regretted not going like,
1: <laughs> absolutely. No, hundred percent.
0: Thank you for doing this for me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think, yeah, all the responsible de- you know, decisions were, were, were made in a timely appropriate manner. I think all things considered, I, I, yeah, I, th- I reflecting on it, the way i handled it as far as um, trying to make the things happen that we all wanted to happen, but also prioritizing safety and responsibility, you know, I, yeah, I think it was handled pretty well by, by team, team UM.
0: Absolutely. Especially um, for something that has never had to be ha- handled before. <laughs> who the hell has ever had to cancel an entire tour or international mm-hmm. dates because
1: of a pandemic. <laughs>
0: of a pandemic, Like who in the hell <laughs> yeah. ever would have thought that that, I mean, maybe something out of a movie, but. Yeah.
1: So here we are in uncharted territory.
0: Yeah. That, that's yeah. how I feel. It's like every day is like a, a movie almost like some weird mm-hmm. Will Smith movie or something. I don't know.
1: I am legend. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. Not anything fun, like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or anything.
1: <laughs> I am legend. I saw it in the movie theaters. Um,
0: with I did too.
1: And my dad, but I was, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm younger than a lot of the guys on the Unfreeze team. And oftentimes like their references go way over my head or like when I talk <laughs> about a shared experience, and like tell them how old I was at the time, they're like, oh my God, are you kidding me? But anyway, with with I Am Legend, (laughs) I was still pretty young and not very into horror movies. And I remember seeing it and walking out of it in the middle because I was too scared. (laughs)
0: Same. I was too. Like I talked to my husband about it. Yeah, that no, movie definitely no, I don't, I don't fucked me up. <laughs> for sure. I was yeah. like, no, no. So you yeah. didn't see, did you ever see the full movie?
1: I did. I did. I mean, actually. it
0: gets worse because then the dog dies and stuff. And you're yeah, like, no, oh, no. this is the worst. For sure.
1: <laughs> Awful. For sure. Yeah.
0: It's definitely art-wrenching. That's funny. I've never heard anybody else say that. So that's, that's well, great.
1: <laughs> I admit it. I admit it.
0: I'll admit it too. It fucked yeah. me up hard. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's funny. Well, this has been fantastic. It's been great yeah. getting to talk to you and get to know you a little bit. I was like, well, I want to get to know him anyways. He's, he's new to the fam. I mean, not really so, new because you've been doing this for a little bit,
1: but yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, hopefully, you know, a reentrance into whatever life we, we, you know, do evolve to. And hopefully that includes a a lot of Unfreeze McGee and a lot of touring. And I I would imagine that people are, you know, fiending and and missing the experience of live music. Um, Yeah, Me too, man. Me too. So, you know, it's up and down, you know, because like sometimes I'm I'm definitely finding great habits right now and and using the time to reflect and and progress and figure out Cool. I'm, I don't know. I've been trying to do like more yoga and meditate and eat better and like Good trying to do all the things for sure. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, re reconsider things and whatnot. Um, and yeah, hopefully we can come back with more perspective and more compassion and like rock it even harder.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what, that's what I think. Uh, I think what this time is meant to, to be for on, on a, on a bigger level Mm. is, is time for us as humans to get closer to self and kind of evaluate the relationships in our lives. And, you know, obviously being here with my husband and my three kids every day is not perfect. Mm. Um, but again, we've taken those moments as teachable moments. And, um, you know, my marriage with my husband has certainly been much stronger through this. Mm, um, nice. You know, you have to to build a team in side. a different way. Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's that's how we're we're taking it because yeah, you know, there's definitely still days where I want to wring his neck, but <laughs> I mean, that's that's human. That's being partnered with someone. Um, but it's it it has it's it's helped build our team stronger and helped me connect with my kids more and. Mm-hmm. You, I, it's important to take this time to do that, I think. Yeah,
1: and, and, and connect with them. the world too, really. Absolutely,
0: I've been able to connect with my friends more. Yeah. Actually, you know, I'm more intentional about texting people and and cool. reaching out to people and mm-hmm. with actual like meaning. You know, you're like legitimately like, hey, how are you really? Like, how's things going on? It's not just like,
1: mm-hmm. how's... Not, gonna, not going through the motions right. anymore.
0: right. Right. And I think that's important.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a challenging time, but hopefully uh, increased perspective can make it uh, optimistic and time for change and really envision and imagine, you know, the more improved future. That's kind of where I'm at right now. Trying to learn the ways I can be involved in that more awesome future. Yeah,
0: for sure. So when you do get back out on the road, what is like your dream room to to light up with Humphreys.
1: oh good question um i was super bummed out when red rocks was canceled would that uh, be
0: your first time lighting up red rocks
1: as a headliner yeah um, okay I've done, it, I've done it as an opener twice i'm um, actually open for Umfreeze last summer with spafford and okay. the before that with spafford opening for biscuits um that's you know a day set with you know one eighth of the rig and it's you know it's awesome don't get me wrong it's an experience but to from the ground up design a rig for such a unique space is is slash was something i'm really looking forward to um like again in a similar way to the caverns like delegating a, a portion of the rig to specifically always be lighting up the rocks Because, like, that's the whole thing of Red Rocks. And is there a way we can just make the experience more specific and catered towards Red Rocks? That's what I'm looking forward to. Um, I mean, Iceland as an experience and trip was going to be awesome. So I hope that some rescheduling or something of that, you know, rescheduling or making that happen in a different form happens.
0: Yeah, oh, absolutely. What else
1: am I looking forward to? I Beacon Theater was – that's – did it cool? Um, I think that's kind of it right now. That can that comes to mind, and then Umphrey's is still you know rocking awesome festival slots, so Lockin and Bonnaroo and all those kind of places I'm really looking forward to eventually going back to.
0: Yeah, doing yeah. the bigger stage at Summer Camp probably too.
1: Totally, yeah. For summer sure. Camp, Summer Camp, Summer Camp is again an awesome opportunity because it's a festival, but. Umfries basically hosts it on that stage, so the design, lighting-wise, is mine. So that's an awesome project because it's like, yeah, do your thing, me, but do your thing, um, but also consider the fact that this is a shared stage for four days of music. So like, that's yeah. I, I, I was was again was and are looking for is. God damn it, I am looking. <laughs> I am looking forward to summer camp for sure, because of the way I I get to design and share the rig with so many awesome touring lighting designers who come through.
0: Yeah, I bet. Are you going to check out the summer camp stuff they're doing this weekend?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, I I haven't looked at the exact schedule yet. But given that summer camp was supposed to be happening, and I I miss it so much, I'm I'm sure I will be celebrating or trying to re-experience it in some way to make it feel like i'm i'm there
0: yeah yeah and that's yeah. what we're gonna do too we're gonna definitely check it out and, and have it the way that we can have it so
1: really? yeah
0: <laughs> awesome So well, this has been really great yeah it's a lot of fun talking to you how have how have the fans fans been you know coming up to you after shows and stuff everybody
1: yeah cool? yeah pretty cool um yeah, it's been a very welcoming experience so far. I tend to roll my eyes when people ask for set lists without saying words. Oftentimes people from like afar will just like wave at me and then be like, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm down to give you set lists, but you can just like, hey, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not like a waiter. I don't know, like that's. That's
0: kind of awkward. I would be like looking behind me.
1: Like when people do that, I'm usually just like,
0: no. You want my autograph? Or like, what do you want from me right now? Probably not
1: that. Definitely (laughs) not that. So whatever. So but anyhow.
0: That's That's so weird.
1: It's weird. But also there's thousands and thousands of people who go to the shows, and obviously there are characters in all of everybody, especially (laughs) So yes, I would say it's been a great experience so far with the fans and um, community as a whole. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. Yeah,
1: happy that's to very be good here. to hear. Yeah.
0: yeah, we're very happy to have you. Everybody is super excited to nice. to have you on board, and it's just been so awesome watching you. I mean, we watch any live stream that they put on and the shows that we've gotten to this year, and yeah, yeah, and then to hear your story of how you did this, it's it's cool. That's very Thanks. cool. I appreciate very
1: that. Cool. I'm very, very grateful to be where I am and continue to move where I do where I do go.
0: Yeah, I bet. Awesome. Cool. Well, this is cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about that we didn't uh, get to?
1: I don't think so. Not at this moment. Okay, um, cool. Yeah, but hope to talk to you again soon. <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. It'd be great to have you on the show anytime. You're
1: yeah, always I'm, welcome to I'm come around. and
0: hang out and chat. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, I mean, now that you ha- have going on Zoom, you know, you have the opportunity to open it up to multiple people too. Could be fun to hang out with Sam on here. Me, you, and Sam.
0: Yeah, I'm totally down. We should definitely do that. I, I'm, I'm into it. We'll, we'll make it happen for Sam, sure. That'd be good. fun.
1: Sam's a really good dude.
0: Sam's good. a great dude, and he's been such a huge supporter of, of the show. Like, nice. From the very beginning, he was on like episode number four. Nice. <laughs> and he just like listens yeah. to it and mm-hmm. just always talks about it to people and totally. It, it's so cool to just have a, that kind of support.
1: He's got a pretty immediately warm presence. That's mm-hmm. pretty funny and easy to hang out around. So, yeah.
0: Just good people. Yeah, totally. <laughs> For sure. Awesome. All
1: right. Well. Yeah. Peace and love to all people.
0: Peace. Take care. Talk this was fantastic. Bye soon. Bye. So that's everything I have for this week of the show. Thank you again to Ben for your time. It was really a pleasure chatting with you and getting to know you better. There's a bunch of links for things in the show notes, including how you can watch our conversation and check out past episodes, book your own interview on the podcast, and where you can check out the render videos that Ben mentions in the episode. So be sure to scope all of that out. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll see you around these parts next week. Mad love.